Jonah story. And Jonah has gone to the city of Nineveh to preach, even though he was a reluctant preacher. He, he is someone who had run from God and then had repented of his running from God and God had shown mercy on him and miraculously spared him. And on the heels of God's mercy in his life, Jonah has gone to the city of Nineveh, a large city, a city of about 120,000 people, and told them that God uh, was not pleased with them, that they were known for the wicked things that they were doing. And so here is the question that we start with. What did Jonah the preacher do well? What did he do well? And in Jonah, the very end of chapter 3, verse 9, the king of Nineveh is responding to the preaching of Jonah in his city. And in verse 9, the king says, Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So what did Jonah do well? Apparently, Jonah had done a really good job of convincing the king and others that God was not only angry, but that his anger was fierce. That's the word the king chose to use. So apparently Jonah hasn't uh, appeared as a preacher saying, by the way, God's angry. In fact, I think that what we find is that Jonah's own anger so colored his preaching that people were really persuaded that God's anger towards them was really, really fierce. What did Jonah do well? I think he communicated anger really well. I think that's what he communicated well, was anger. And this is one of our key thoughts for this morning. It's something that applies to all of us. God's mercy is greater than God's anger. Now, the king is thinking maybe there will be compassion, but that message apparently didn't come from Jonah. But God's mercy is greater than God's anger. Chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, this is God. He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Why? Because God's mercy is greater than God's anger. On the other hand, we've got a problem because Jonah's anger was greater than Jonah's mercy. So we've got a God whose mercy is greater than his anger and a believer in God whose anger is greater than his mercy. Do you see the disconnect? Chapter 1. 
chapter, verse 1 of chapter 4. He's referring to God showing compassion. And it says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. I think he already was angry, but this is now worse. And, and he prayed to the Lord. This Jonah looks at God's compassion, at God's mercy. And Jonah says, this doesn't seem right to me. In fact, it seems so wrong that I'm angry. As we go from the last part of chapter 3 through the end of chapter 4, the word anger is going to appear about eight times. It's kind of the main word at the end of the story. God had delivered Jonah because he repented of running away from God. But God still had work to do in Jonah's heart. What, what about us? Do you think God still has work to do in our hearts? Is it okay if he's not finished yet? So rather than this being an absolute condemnation of Jonah, this is a part of his journey, and we're into the angry part of his journey here. He had started out by being so hateful of those people in Nineveh, the Assyrians, that he just wanted them destroyed. He didn't want them to repent. He didn't want any of that to happen. In fact, he even has some time with God where he gets to tell God, I told you so. You ever feel like that? God, I told you so. Chapter 4, verse 3. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than live. He just said, I told you this was going to happen. I'm so angry. You're this God who's slow to anger, and I don't like it. But the Lord replied, and here's the question the Lord asks, Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? He's feeling like I'm right, and now God's forgiving. And God had already shown compassion on Jonah when he ran away from him. And that was okay with Jonah, but it's not okay with him when he showed compassion on the Assyrians who repented. And when God asks a question like, is it right for you to be angry? It's very different than God saying, stop being angry. Um... How, how would it land on you if I said, just don't be angry, stop being angry? It, it, it doesn't land very well, does it? But when he says, is it right for you to be angry? It's, it's an interaction, it's a dialogue. It's a God who cares about what's going on in Jonah's heart. And when he asks a question like this, it's, it's a matter of triggering the work of God so that we imagine things differently. 
question triggers an opportunity for imagination. Holy Spirit-driven imagining of things being a little bit different. As, as we go on in the story, uh, Jonah is not only angry enough that he tells God he wants to die, but he goes outside of the city and goes up onto this high place to pout. Um, not really a repentant posture, but this creative God causes this unusual plant, this plant to grow up and give him extra shade through the day. And then on the next day, that very same plant withers away, and Jonah's even more angry. It's like, God, I don't like it when you're not predictable. I, I liked it when you made the plant come up, but not when it withered away. And in God's conversation with him, he pointed out to Jonah that he cared more about this plant than he cared about 120,000 people who were perishing because of their uh, rejection of God. That's kind of serious for God to say you care more about the plant than you care about these 120,000 people. It's a pretty serious anger. More concerned for the plant than for God. Now, we don't have really the end of the story in Jonah. But here's what we can kind of presume. In order for Jonah to tell this story well, we can be pretty sure that he dealt with God with his anger even though it's not covered in the story. But I'd have a hard time honestly telling a story about my anger if I was still angry. So we can presume that God has done some business with Jonah, and Jonah has done some business with God, and God is in the business of triggering by the Holy Spirit those convictions not only to learn but to be convinced and to be enlivened and to imagine better things than we imagine without God's help. And I think one of the things that's called for in Jonah is to be accessible to God in ways that allow him to, to point out those areas where we think wrongly or where we interact poorly, or where we judge badly. And what if God can help us to see things differently and, and to change our hearts? We have the very same needs that Jonah had. Look at Jeremiah 33.3. In, In this invitation from God, he says, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Which means, for you and me, there are things that we don't know yet, and God is saying, Call on me, 
and I'll show you the way. Which means we're in process. Like Jonah was in process. And then also over in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. The, the main verse I want to read is verse 20. And it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this is a prayer that God would continue to do in our generation what Paul was praying for God to do in his generation in the city of Ephesus among the believers there that this God who is able to do immeasurably more than what we ask or imagine well, here's the context of that in, in this very prayer that begins in verse 14 verse 16 says I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And then in verse 18, that we may have power together with all of the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This is amazing stuff. That when God the Holy Spirit begins to work in us, where we can start to imagine the ramifications of how wide and high and deep is God's love, and begin to grasp what God can do, changes everything. For Jonah, he was having a hard time imagining a God who could forgive the Assyrians. He was having a hard time imagining that there is justice when what God's forgiveness seemed to him completely unjust. For Jonah, justice would mean wipe them out. I hate them anyway, I'm angry, get rid of them, that's justice. And instead, God's version was very different, very different. Um, in, in a time of life where we live in a country where, I'm sorry about this, folks, but... I'm thinking one of those connections is loose. Um, maybe it's that screw <laughs> that's loose. So we'll do our best here. But I've watched my Christian friends, and I've watched Christian friends who want justice by displaying their anger towards police officers, and I've watched people who want justice by displaying their anger be 
towards some folks in Black Lives Matter protests. And what if we can approach people with this enlivened imagination where in us God has enlivened a compassion that is greater than our anger. That in all of the things that we do, that God does the kind of work in us where in us mercy is greater than anger. Um, Will people disappoint us? Will I disappoint people? Rats. I wish it didn't go both ways. And what I would pray that we would take away from this concluding part uh, here in Jonah is that God is the one whose mercy is greater than his anger. And that the prayer, the, the inspired prayer of the Apostle Paul for us is that we would grasp those things in ways that change our heart. Um, I'm reaching, I'm 67. And one of my prayers is, Dear God, please don't leave me an angry old man. In fact, would you continue to stir my imagination and my heart to make it more and more like yours? May you do the kind of work in us that you did in Jonah. Because we need it just like he did. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come thankful that your mercy is greater than your anger. We come thankful that you're not finished with us. May your spirit stir in our hearts and minds and imaginations a larger view of you and a greater understanding of your call on our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And what I would ask for everyone to do as we go today is to grow in the grace of God. And as you leave this place this morning, either stay dry or get wet, whichever, whichever floods your soul. May God be with us. We're done.